Hey, I want to welcome those online as well. It's great to have you with us. Uh, use that chat bar. Let us know that you're, you're streaming with us, where you're streaming from, and you can grab some elements for communion as well online. So, hey, I wonder what you said. I had a couple people. Derek Bolin walked by me, and he said, um, getting out of town. Anybody else getting out of town? That's what you're looking forward to? Oh, wow. It's like the majority of people in the room said getting out of town. Um, Robin and I always uh, try to get to the ocean in the summer, and traditionally we go to a little uh, place off of Sarasota called Siesta Key, Florida, which is just incredible, and we've been going there our whole marriage uh, during the summer, and her parents have recently moved there, and I, I, I'm a little, you know, I don't know if I should be upset that they moved into their own condo and we can't use it anymore, but they did. They are using their own place, and there's not enough room for all of us. So um, this summer, we're actually dropping two of our kids at a camp in, in California, and then just Robin and I are going to spend a couple of days on Huntington Beach. And we've never been to Huntington Beach, and so I'm super excited about it. Um, I remember growing up, uh, I, we went to Florida and Alabama beaches, and everybody told us that those weren't real beaches, that California beaches were the real beaches. And then I went to California beaches, and you people are crazy if you think those are real beaches. Like, you need to go to the Gulf Coast beaches. That's where the beach life is. Anyway, let's not talk about all of that. Uh, Hey, we're so glad that you're here. If it's your first time, I know it's tough to walk into a new place where you might not know the songs and the, um, the music and all of that. So thank you for taking a risk and joining us on this Sunday morning. We want you to know you're in a safe place to both explore and take steps of faith. We want to encourage you to do that in your life. And we believe anytime you stay, take a step toward God, he is taking more than one step towards you with open arms. And so you are in a safe place uh, to pursue God and to know that he's pursuing you. Hey, Cameron said this on the video uh, leading in, that we would love to stay connected with you as much as possible. And we have a digital uh, connection card right now, mcdowell.church card, and that is a great place to let us know of any changes of information. If you're traveling, we'd love to know that. It's a great place to write prayer requests. But one of the best ways to stay connected is to get our weekly email and we send, send that out once a week. And if you want to sign up for that, mcdowell.church slash card is where you can sign up and let us know you'd like to get the email because we send out once a week all the information of all that's going on and ways that you can stay uh, connected. You saw out in the lobby when you walked in, it's water drive month. We have a number of uh, our homeless population here in Phoenix who this summer is a difficult, difficult time. And so we want to provide as much water as possible through Phoenix Rescue Mission and we always do an incredible job as a church. You always do an incredible job as a church showing a little bit of love by bringing some practical things. And water this month is the thing that is needed. So keep bringing in water. Now, I know some of you um, daredevils, I've seen you as you've walked in. You've wanted to climb the stack of water in the lobby. And I did it this morning. I just couldn't take it anymore. I just wanted to climb up and stand on the top. And I did. It was secure. I think I only hurt one bottle of water. I'll replace it. Um, but continue to bring uh, bottles of water, and at the end of the month, uh, we'll, we'll move those down to Phoenix Rescue Mission. Uh, second thing, and Cameron mentioned this as well, but I want to reiterate this. 
Um, as this season of reopening continues and regathering continues, one of our biggest needs is in children's ministry, mountain kids. We need some uh, dream teamers who might want to step in once a month and just serve our smallest ones, and we have a process to get you there, but we will walk you through all of the steps. Um, you know, there's background checks, some training, but there's all kinds of potential that you could, you could step into from check-in to greeting to crowd control. Sometimes when we talk about children's ministry, everybody's worried, oh, I don't know if I can teach a lesson, I'm not a Bible scholar, and you don't have to be a Bible scholar we just need some people who genuinely care about the next generation and want to see their faith developed in Christ. And we can help you find the right place for you to serve in that area. So if you'd like uh, just some information about it, some conversation, uh, you can email Cameron at McDowell.Church, Cameron at McDowell.Church, and he will get you connected to the right people. Uh, you can just see him after the service as well. If you just stop by and say, hey, I'd be happy to, to uh, maybe have a conversation about what that means. Okay. I want you to do me a favor real quick. Uh, you can't do this with your family members that's sitting next to you, but if you can find someone else sitting close to you that you can ask them their birthday. Ask them their birthday, not year, because we're not that kind of people here, but just uh, month and date. Go ahead and ask somebody their birthday. See what they say. Got it? You don't need to know what hospital they were born in, state, none of that, just their birthday. You got it? Okay. All right. So, um, anybody have a birthday today? Did anybody ask and their birthday was today? They probably would have lied because nobody wants me to bring them up front. Nobody? Anybody this week? Anybody have a birthday this week? Oh, we have one down here. That's awesome. Another one over here. Happy birthday. Good things, good things. Uh, my birthday is no time in the near future, so it's all good. I know somebody who had a birthday this last week. Kate, happy birthday. And um, let's see what else we have going on these days. Did you, did you know that today is a championship? There's a golf tournament going on. Today's the championship day. Who do we think is going to win that? Anybody? Phil. Phil? We got some Phil fans in the room. All right. That's, that's good. We also have something else going on right now. The Phoenix Suns are for the first time in 11 years back in the playoffs where they belong, back where they belong. Yes. We have... Um, uh, the, the baseball team, uh, the Diamondbacks, continuing to lose like normal. It's fun to watch. Good times. We've got many of you thinking about traveling and, and going different places and uh, all the different things. Some of you are wondering, what am I talking about right now? Is, is Matt present where he is? Is he just talking off the top of his head this morning? Okay, Question. How many of you have already forgotten the birthday of the person who told you what their birthday was? Who, who's forgotten? Anybody forgotten? You don't want to admit that you forgot, but if I walked around with a microphone and you had to say their name and their birthday, how many of you could say both their name and their birthday without asking? And it's not family member. Oh, look at this. Half of the room. It looks like half of the room has forgotten already. What kind of people are we? 
that we would forget the birthday of the person who just told us. We don't even remember their name, let alone their birthday. We remember maybe the month, but I don't know about the day. I think I could get close. Nobody told me, thankfully, so I don't have to feel like I'm on the spot. Listen, as humans, we tend to be a a forgetful bunch, don't we? We forget things. We forget important things. I'm going to say this, and he's probably not watching, but you know my dad forgets my birthday almost every year? It's become a joke. And part of the reason I think he forgets my birthday is because when I was born, he was watching the 1975 World Series in which the uh, Cincinnati Reds beat the Boston Red Sox, and he was a huge Cincinnati Reds baseball fan. The big red machine, I think, is maybe what they called it back in those days, Johnny Bench and you know, all those players. And so he was watching that. And so I think every year when my birthday rolls around, he's, you know, bummed that the Cincinnati Reds are still bad, but they won back then in 1975. And that was the year that he was paying attention to that. But he forgets my birthday almost every year, but I still love him. I love you, dad. Um, He's awesome. Even when he forgets my birthday, but we're forgetful. And every now and then it's important to, to, turn our minds back and be reminded of the most important pieces of the faith. And in the book of Ephesians, it's this little letter in the New Testament. Paul is writing to this church, and I think Paul realizes and understands that we are a forgetful group of people, and he needs to to build into them this foundation that they will not forget. And Jesus needs to be central. Jesus needs to be central. Jesus is not just an add-on to their life. He is their life. And I think this is true of us. I think it was probably true in the first century that we begin the faith journey with this excitement and this momentum and this sense that God is in us and around us and with us and all of that but we soon just see him as an add-on to our life, that our lives are pretty good in the direction that they're going, and, and then Jesus comes along and adds some good benefits to our life. And Paul wants us to realize something, and I want to remind us this morning as we move towards com- communion, um, an essential for us. An essential for us. So you ready? So I'm going to put some scriptures up, and I'm going to read through them. I'll make a few comments as we go, but we're going to work towards communion, uh, which is this this practice that we join with millions of of Christians around the globe who who eat a little piece of bread and drink a little bit of juice or wine to be reminded of the sacrifice that Jesus made for every single one of us. And it doesn't matter where you are in the journey. If you're just searching or if you're on the front side of your journey or if you've been in the journey for a long time, it's important to come back to the foundation. So in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul pens these words, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. That's good news, isn't it? Aren't you glad you came to worship this morning? (laughs) Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, and you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the evil one. Now, 
sometimes when we use the word sin, we have this, like, a little bit of this um, disconnectedness to the word. Because we, we have the tendency to think, and if you're like me, you feel as though, you know, I live a pretty good life. I, I'm not that bad. Anybody with me? I'm not that bad. There are much, I mean, people who are much worse than me. Anybody? You, like, you think, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. We think we're not, we're not that bad off. We're, we're moving in a good direction and... So when we hear the word sin, many times we think of other people. And what Paul wants to remind us is, is he wants to remind us of the fact that we all, no one excluded, that we all have lived in sin, that we, we've all missed sin. The word sin literally means miss the mark. It's almost like an archery term that means we just, we just miss the mark as humans. Do you ever miss the mark as a human? Do you ever feel like you missed the mark? Like you just missed it? Like I wish I could rewind and do that again. I just need a little do-over. And then, yeah, we all miss the mark, every single one of us. And that's what Paul wants us to be reminded of, that, that we all miss the mark. And because of that, we were on a dead-end path. You might say it that way, that on my own, I'm, I'm on this dead-end path. And when it says that we obey the evil one, many of us think, well, I don't really listen to an evil one, but Paul, like, kind of walks this out. He says, he, the evil one, is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us. Who is that again? All of us. All of us. All of us used to live like that. And that is, we follow the desires and the inclinations of what Paul writes in the New Testament our sinful nature. In other words, just the, the nature that is a part of all of us. Now listen, all of us were created in the image of God. Now that's good news. Like you and I, as rough as it looks on the outside, all of us bear the image of God. That is good. There is some good down deep because God's fingerprint and his breath is in you. That's good. But all of us are scarred by the effects of the world, and what Paul would say, by the effects of what Adam and Eve introduced into the human nature. All of us. So, let's just get that out in the open. We're all on evil footing. All of us. And as bad as we think they are, whoever they are is, we're one of them. We're one of them. Like, we're all in this boat together. And it's a sinking ship. That's what Paul says. These are Paul's words. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. And then we, we look at that and we're like, I thought God was loving. He's angry. And what Paul is wanting us to see is that just by the, the, the direction of our life, according to that evil human nature within us, just by the nature, like, God has the right to be angry with us. If you've ever had children, like we get this. Like we tell our kids, don't do this. Like this is going to hurt somebody else or it's going to hurt you. We all say that, don't we? And then our kids do that. And it's, it, it means they're subject to our anger because we're like, we told them not to do that. I told them specifically not to do that and they did it and they become subject to our anger. That's what Paul is saying. 
Not that God is upstairs, whatever that means, angry. No, he's just saying that we're subject to his anger because we all miss the mark of how he created us to live. He created us to be loving people, and yet we aren't always loving. I mean, most of you probably are, but some of us aren't always loving. And Paul's saying we're subject to God's anger because of that. Now, there are some big buts in the Bible that I really like, and, and this one is one of them. Some of you are like, is he going to sing? I'm not going to sing. You do your own thing in your mind. I don't even, like, we're in church, people. Come on. When you read in the Bible, but God, there's a, there's a shift coming that should redirect our minds, and here it is right here, and I love this one. So remember, we're subject to God's anger because we're, we're on a dead-end path, but God is so rich in mercy. Come on, someone. Amen. I mean, God is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much that even when we were dead, because of our own ways, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Amen. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this. We are not good people that God sent Jesus as an add-on to the goodness of our life. We are dead people that have been raised to new life because of Jesus. We are not good people that Jesus makes better. We are dead people that Jesus makes alive. I mean, that's, that's good news. And I, I think... I think we just forget that sometimes. And when we forget that, it's more difficult to worship God with an understanding of how great he is and how good his love is. And Paul says, but God is so rich in mercy. This is a good, this is a good one to memorize. God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even when we are dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Now listen, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Whose grace? It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. This is not of yourselves. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Only by God's grace. It's his work totally, completely, fully in us that saves us. He goes on. For it is by grace that you have been saved. For it is by grace that I have been saved. Say that with me. For it is by grace that I have been saved. Come on, you can say it. For it is by grace I have been saved. For it is by my good works that I have been saved. No, it is my goodness that has saved me from the evil. No, it is by grace that I have been saved. Through faith. Paul says, you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good that we have done. None of us can boast about the salvation that we have because of God's mercy and his love for each one of us. 
Now, that's, that's a good thing to just let rest and fall over us this morning. I mean, it's, I know it's not good to be reminded of how bad we are, but it's good to be reminded that we were dead on our own, that we are on a dead-end path, and that by God's grace and His love, like He pursued us in order to save us from where we were headed. Um, on my own, th just think about this. On my own, I'm on a dead-end path. On my, all, left to my own devices, left to my own mind, left to my own heart and direction in life, I'm on a dead-end path. But God's love has pursued me and His grace lifts me up or turns me around and saves me as I place my faith in Him. Now, Paul doesn't finish there. Some of you are thinking we're in chapter 2 and there's 6 in Ephesians. This might go a little bit. There's just one other reminder I have for us. And um, today actually is in the traditional church calendar in a more liturgical setting, today is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday marks the, the, the day when, when the Holy Spirit is released, the day of Pentecost, onto the church. And um, I want to talk about something that, that Paul mentions right after he's, he's given us this beautiful picture of God's love and His mercy for us, what He did through Christ. And this is what he says, For we are God's masterpiece... For we are God's masterpiece. Like God has saved us and given us new life, and we are His masterpiece. He, he's created us anew. He's recreated us. He's given us a fresh start. There's a lot of ways that you can say that, but the, the idea there is in Christ, we have something new in us so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. That he, he redeems us, He restores us, He recreates us, and then He fills us with a purpose. Don't miss this. You have been saved by God's grace for good things in this world today. You. You have been saved the mercy and grace of a heavenly Father who loves you more than you can ever imagine. He actually calls you a masterpiece as He begins to remold you and reshape you into something new. So now, I love this, so now you are no longer strangers or outsiders. And this meant a lot in the first century. When, when Paul writes, you are citizens, being a citizen of Rome meant something. It meant that they had rights and that uh, they had to be respected. So if you were not a citizen of Rome, you were on the outside. And so when Paul writes, you are now citizens, he's saying, no, no, you have a home now. You have rights. Paul would even later say, you are heirs to the kingdom of God. 
sons and daughters. Come on now, that's good news. Like you have been adopted into the family, you're citizens. But he goes on to say, with all of God's holy people, like he includes you in the list of holy people. I know some of you. Like, <laughs> holy people. Members of his family. You are members of his family. You are members of his family. You're not just hanging out for a meal. You haven't just been invited in for one night. You are family with God. Some of you need to be reminded of that. You're no longer outsiders, strangers. You are at home with God, and He's at home with you. Together, we are His house. Together, we are His house, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus. We are carefully joined together in Him, and we become a holy temple for the Lord. Now, in the first century, when the Jews went to Jerusalem, they believed that God resided in the temple, the, the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctuary, like in the very middle that God dwelt there. And what Paul wants us to understand, because we so often forget, is that we are now the temple, the dwelling place of God. So anywhere you go, He goes. Some of you are like, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> He's already there anyway, but anywhere that you go, He goes. And the temple was the place where people felt as though they could be made right with God by their sacrifices. Now, come on, catch this. Jesus has become the ultimate once and for all sacrifice, so the sacrifice thing is done. What now we are to do is as the living temple of God in the world, we are to help people see that God is now good with them. Like this is our mission, is to bring about good in the world and invite people into the kingdom, helping them to see that the sacrifice has been made. There's nothing they can do to earn God's approval. Christ has done everything necessary, and we become the holy temple for the Lord. So on my own, I'm limited on a dead-end road. Remember we said that? Like, I'm limited, I'm on a dead-end road, but, but God does a work of transformation in me, and then he gives me a place and a purpose. You not only have a home, but you have a, a purpose. You have a home and you have a purpose. God is inviting you and me into this grand story of reconciliation and redemption in the world. He's inviting you and me. And so when we see on the news or in our neighborhoods and our places of work or in our schools, when we see this tension, whatever kind of tension it is, racial tension, political tension, I mean, all the tension around us. Like God has called us to be about reconciliation not the separation of things, but the reconciliation, the bringing back together of all things under the lordship of Jesus, under the headship of Jesus, under the authority of Jesus. And the good news is we already know the end of the story, right? 
if, if we don't. <laughs> Paul writes in another letter, that's another sermon, but he writes in another letter, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord, right? And so what our role is as the temple is that we get to help people do this in the now, the present, which makes the world a better place to live. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to this. The Holy Spirit empowers you to this. It, he, he empowers me to this and inspires me to this. So we're going to sing one last song. And uh, you can stand. Let's stand when we sing this. Um, we've been loving this song lately, too. Um, it's called Heavens All Around. You know, you know, we've sung this one a little bit. And the reason hev Heavens All Around is because the Holy Spirit has, has been released into the world but the reason heaven's all around is also because you and I are the temple, the house of God. Where we go, He goes. Where we bring joy, He's bringing joy. So don't lose sight of that. Isn't it good to be reminded every now and then? We've been saved by grace. We've been given a home, and now we have a purpose. God, thank you that you've called us, you've saved us, you've redeemed us, you've restored us, but God, thank you that you've invited us to your great mission in this world, reconciliation, redemption of all things. May we be that kind of people.